The Philippines is often hailed as one of the most gender-equal countries in the world. In 2021, we placed 17th out of 156 countries in the World Economic Forum's Global Gender Gap Report, which is pretty good. But we've actually been slipping. Consider that in 2006, we were ranked number 6 in the world. In this episode of B-Side, Natalie Africa Vercelis, director of the Center for Women and Gender Studies at the University of the Philippines Diliman, speaks with Julian M. Cortez about the sharp contradictions we see between our culture and our laws in terms of gender equality, which isn't just about women's rights, but LGBTQ rights as well. Small note here, Julian was a reporter for Business World when this was recorded. She's since moved on, but she really wanted to work on this piece, and I'm glad she did. The Philippines is one of the more gender-equal countries in the world. So what are the observations that you've had that uphold this title that the Philippines has? Until the past two years, we were always in the top 10 of the World Economic Forum Global Gender Gap Report. But last year in 2020, we dropped to 16. And then for 2021, we're in 17th place. In 2019, we were, I think, 8th place. So it's important also to take into consideration the indicators used by the Global Gender Gap Index. So this is economic participation and opportunity, health and survival, educational attainment, and political empowerment. So those are the measures used. And what is actually determined by the survey is how women do vis-a-vis men across these four areas. And our performance in terms of health and survival and educational attainment is excellent. So that is essentially what lifted us so high in the rankings. But we are not doing so well in terms of political empowerment because the number of our cabinet secretaries who are women dropped. So why have we been performing well? Apart from health and survival and educational attainment, we are not doing very badly in terms of economic participation and opportunity. I think it has to do with greater awareness already in society about gender equality. Because we already have the Magna Carta of Women. That's Mm -hmm. Republic Act 9710, which is a comprehensive human rights law that aims to eliminate discrimination against women in all societal spheres. That's also social, political, economic, cultural dimensions. So in other words, there's already a recognition under our law that discrimination against women must be eliminated. And that will somehow translate to practices of institutions because it's legislation. They can be called to account because there's a law that prohibits discrimination. The law is one factor that could be contributing. But also, it's not just that one law. The Philippines was a signatory to the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. This was 1979, but our Senate ratified our signing in 1981. So ilang decades na yan. So we had really many decades of work towards promoting gender equality, even before the Magna Carta of Women, which came much later. 
do we have a long way to go in terms of legislating laws that will promote gender equality locally? I think there are still many laws that need to be enacted. And at the same time, there are still many provisions of existing laws that need to be revised because there are still provisions in existing laws that are discriminatory to women. But I'll say, because when we talk about gender, we don't only refer to women. We need a SOGI equality law urgently. And I'm very disappointed that it's taking so long, especially during last Congress, the SOGI equality bill garnered a vote of 197 to zero in the lower house. And then it was stalled in the Senate. So we were just already so close to achieving a SOGI equality law. And then now we have a Congress that's again about to end and where is our SOGI equality law? So that needs to be enacted. And we don't have a divorce law still. That's another law that should be enacted. Many people are going to be up in arms when I say that we also don't have a marriage equality law because it can be said that we are discriminating against same-sex couples by not recognizing their civil unions. Now, in terms of legislation, there's still much that can be done to improve the status of women and gender-diverse individuals or members of the LGBTQI community. I want to talk about the private sector because they're much more at liberty to implement uh, these kinds of measures. So what can they do to promote gender equality? And is it the right term, gender sensitivity in the workplace? I have seen that they are using the term diversity and inclusion. And we have many firms already approaching the center for training on gender sensitivity and also on SOGI-esque training. So, you know, SOGI-esque is sexual orientation, gender identity and expression and sex characteristics. And these are private corporations. And we are getting an increasing number. We used to get a lot of requests from, of course, government agencies, other schools and universities. But now I have noticed that many companies are becoming interested in promoting diversity and inclusion. So I think that is the way to go because you cannot avoid it. I mean, there will always be women and gender diverse individuals in your organizations. So you need to ensure that they do not experience discrimination, marginalization or subordination within your institutions. So that is the mandate of any decent organization. How important is it to pass measures such as the SOGIDA right now? It's important and not only important, it's urgent because we hear actual cases all the time of members of the LGBTQI community experiencing discrimination in various societal spheres, no, in schools, even in public transport, in restrooms, no, in toilets, in the workplace. So we cannot simply allow this to happen. And it's only legislation that can effectively put a stop to it. We know that there are local legislation ordinances in many cities, municipalities, provinces, but it's still necessary for us to have a national law that will protect the members of the LGBTQI community. But at the same time, we recognize that we also need to change attitudes and behaviors regarding 
women and gender and SOGS issues. Because it's still people who are going to implement and enforce the law. At the same time that we enact laws, we should also, as a parallel effort, continue to raise critical awareness about gender inequality in society. Should anti-discriminating rules and practices start also in schools? In order to eliminate discrimination, we should start first within our households, in our families. So it's really a multi-institutional effort. And I agree with you, schools are very important as well because schools are so critical in the formation of our younger people's minds. So yes, they should actually proactively raise awareness even at an early age about how we should not discriminate against individuals on the basis of any social identity, not just gender, but also class, ethnicity, disability, etc. And also, schools can already stop putting children inside very rigid boxes, right? That if you're a girl, you can only play with these toys. You can only do these activities. You can only wear these clothes. And if you're a boy, you know, etc. Boys have their own set of rules, diba. Right? So I think very early on in our families, even in our preschools, teach our children that we should not look at gender as a binary, wherein if your assigned sex at birth is female, you should identify as a girl or a woman and express yourself in a feminine way and do feminine things and vice versa for boys. It's, it's so limiting. We even color code our babies as early as when they are infants, we already gender them. It's preventing or inhibiting people from being free because your choices are already limited at such a young age. So I would like to see a society where people have more freedom where we are not boxed into gender roles, norms, and stereotypes on the basis of our assigned sex at birth. I wish that we had more choices and that we would not be castigated or reproached for making choices that are different from what society imposes on us. Gendering people is one practice that inhibits people from fulfilling their full potential. I'm not only saying this goes for girls and women, but also boys and men. How important is literature, maybe even TV shows that kids, other people are exposed to to be gender sensitive or promote gender equality? Because there are a lot of institutionalized material, books, even TV shows, movies that put already na a role on a man and a woman. Dapat yun ito, dapat yun yan. Earlier, we talked about how important the family is you know, as a site for socialization or enculturation of children and then we talked about the schools because I was going to extend it also to other institutions such as the workplace, communities, churches, and even media. So the materials you mentioned, literature, no, that's part of also cultural artifacts, but also media promotes constructions of masculinity and femininity, of what it means to be a man or a woman. 
in society. What I would like to see us doing in our families and in our schools is raising the critical consciousness of children and all other individuals with respect to all these constructed notions of masculinity and femininity. You know, in that case, no matter what you assign these children, for instance, to read in schools, they'll be able to discern because we don't want them to stop reading Nick Joaquin or Carmen Guerrero Napil, diba? or F. Chanil Jose, right? So what we want to do is to raise a generation that knows how to critique the gender norms, role stereotypes that are being imposed through pieces of literature. Because if you think critically, no matter what happens in your society, you're not going to accept it just like that. Because you're able to analyze, you know, think it through, make sense of it, accept or reject. So that's it. What we should do really is to raise critical awareness as early as possible. I'm actually curious because they say, of course, the nature of how a lot of Filipinos, at least a number, not everyone, being a bit sexist is ingrained because of the leaders that we elect. And do you believe mm. in that? Does it put a risk of us going on the right path to promoting gender equality? Of course. You expect at the very least that your highest officials will not act detrimentally in the work of promoting social justice, gender justice, gender equality, and women's empowerment. We look up to them to set the example to show us, particularly since there are so many people who follow them. So if by setting an example in terms of uttering sexist or even misogynist remarks, the expectation is that there will be people who will follow you and who will see nothing wrong with it. Because if you see your top officials behaving and speaking like that, then you would think if they can do it, then it must be okay. So you want your leaders to lead well, by example, rather than set an example that will set back gains of the women's movement in the Philippines. It bothers us because we don't want our leaders to work against us. We want them to work with us towards our loftiest aspirations of a world where there is equality, of a society where no one is left behind. What's the best way to start right now on how we can reach the goal of gender equality and practicing it also in our everyday lives? I would like to appeal to each and every person's sense of humanity because I always thought that ensuring that no one is discriminated against, exploited, marginalized, oppressed, or subordinated is commonsensical. We do not see that. We still see people who practice behavior that harms others and that causes suffering to others. So I wish that we would look into our own selves and our own lives and our own practices and do some introspection and see how we are behaving towards others? How do we consider other people who are not like us, especially those 
who are of subordinated identities, no women, LGBTQI individuals, low-income individuals, persons with disabilities, indigenous people, Muslims, you know, all those who are not privileged in society. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Natalie Africa Verseles, director of the Center for Women and Gender Studies at the University of the Philippines Diliman, speaking with Jillian M. Cortez, who used to be a reporter for Business World. As I upload this, there are only a few days left in May, which means that Pride Month is just around the corner. And if it weren't for the pandemic, there would probably be a massive Pride Parade this June. Think about that word, Pride. Pride isn't just about tolerating differences, it's about celebrating them, being proud. This episode was recorded remotely on May 18. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>